Welcome to episode three of our extraordinary four-part podcast series. Guys, I'm Timothy Maurice, and I'm here with the beautiful, amazing artist. Yvonne, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Guys, we appreciate you listening. Please make sure you go back and listen to episode one and two and share it with people you care about. We go deep. In the first episode, we get a chance to break the ice. The next episode, we went into why you're relevant. All right. And now we're going to go a little <laughs> bit further into who you are. You've told us in episode one, two, and even the promo about your name, but names are powerful. Right. I want to know a little bit more about why you didn't choose a singular name. Why is it almost, I feel like you were, you were embracing the non-binary approach. It's like, I'm not defined by a name. Right. What is that the inspiration? Something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tavon is an acronym for the artist with various names. And the reason why I chose that route is because I just felt like, you know, it would be disingenuous for me to call myself the same thing throughout my whole career. Why? So when it comes to every project, it always feels like I can't release music unless I've done some work within myself, unless I've overcome some obstacle, unless I've been brave enough to face certain elements and aspects of myself that maybe I've been running away from okay. or I've been afraid of or too afraid to face. So there always has to be something that I overcome internally before I can be given the go-to. <laughs> from the powers that be to be able to release the music and for it to just be as good as I feel that it can be and should be. So it always feels like some sort of like an exchange, you know, some bartering, you know, <laughs> negotiating even um, a spiritual negotiation somehow um, with um, my guides, you know, that um, if this is to be what I hope it to be, then I need to be brave enough to face myself as well. So I am never the same person that I was for each project. Um, not in a, <laughs> not, not in a, <laughs> listen, not in a, <laughs> not in a multiple personality sense, but in the sense of evolving yeah. and growing into um, my ultimate self, or even in the sense of like self-actualization, there's sure. always more growth to occur. So with each project, it's a representation of the amount of growth that I've experienced. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this 20 years from now, mm. the thing I love about podcast and this medium is that people can listen to it forever, right? Mm. Once mm. you put this down, it's out there, right? Right. So you will release your music multiple ways. Yes. You'll be signed to labels. You may do it. You may invest in yourself, etc. Where are you now? How do you want to release your music? I want to release it in the sense of um, releasing it based off of my seeing it as being ready, my seeing it as being you know good enough and to the standard that I intended. However. I would want to also find myself in a space where I'm partnering with, you know, bigger companies, bigger labels, because 
right now I am intending on releasing it as you know myself um, with my label um, but obviously for more reach for more impact in the sense of you know more ears hearing it more eyes seeing it as well I definitely would want to see if a partnership would be able to be achieved well tell us a little bit about your label Josephine Bakita. Tell us about Josephine Bakita. <laughs> so Josephine Bakita is the name of my label and I chose that specifically because of a saint actually that I learned of some years ago and um, she was from Sudan and she got kidnapped actually. Um, this was during the times of the Arab slave trade um, and she got kidnapped from her home and um, she had some very intense experiences and her story really touched me because um, I'd never really heard of the Arab slave trade to be quite honest um, and when I did more research my eyes just you know were open and my mind just <laughs> exploded um, and I just wanted to honor her in that way but not only just her but every single person who went through that experience um, that not many of us are aware of in the world. So I also just named the label Josephine Bakita for it to be a reminder as well in that way. <laughs> when, you know, this transition feels after you said something so beautiful about this extraordinary woman. Mm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, your link between a tastemaker and Griot. Mm. Okay, now moving from Sudan to West Africa. Yes. <laughs> um, so a griot is, you could say, a custodian of a kingdom's history. And you'll find these people in the king's courts. And they um, speak on the history of the people, the history of the kingdom. Mm. And they are poets, they are musicians and uh, historians, obviously. So um, they use these various mediums to communicate the history of the people, but also what is happening currently. So they also reflect to the people who they are right now. So I do see myself as a griot because I'm a historian. And as mentioned, you know, I do believe and see, you know, that history informs our present. So even in the sense of academically, I have been very, intentional about incorporating historical um, understandings with what is happening presently and kind of, um, you know, deducing and doing some guesswork concerning what that would mean for us, you know, in the future. And musically, I incorporate history, not in the sense of like the history channel mm -hmm. and then being like singing, you know, facts about, not, I don't know, 1562 or something, <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, ensuring that what I do know informs what I create and ensuring that um, what I create becomes informative, not only just in a, you know, enjoyable, you know, musically fun way, but also in a way that can um, make people aware of other elements of who they are and where they come from. Um, so in the sense of being a tastemaker, I feel personally and think that because I have so much to pull from, I'll be able to innovate even further. And I'm not necessarily innovating in the sense of 
an abstract or a vacuum. I'm pulling off of hundreds of years of hard work from, you know, people who predecessors and I'm using those insights, you know, those skills, that, that knowledge to inform what I'm doing. Got it. You know? I'm with you. <laughs> Which one do you identify with most? Historian, intellectual, or nerd? Mm, nerd. Really? <laughs> yes. When did you become comfortable identifying with the idea of being a nerd? I don't think I've ever been uncomfortable with it. Um, because from the spaces that I come from, specifically like in schools and stuff, they actually prioritize good marks. They prioritize the person being an overachiever. <laughs> they um, rewarded that as well, like the schools that I went to. So um, I've always felt like being a nerd was actually a good thing and it was helpful to me. And or, or, like also when you come from... Um, I don't know, I think maybe I shouldn't say that it's a stereotype or say it in a stereotypical way, but my, from my knowledge, most African families, um, they do value education a lot. They do push that. So my family is no different. And my mom is a teacher as well. So I literally could not have escaped, you know, <laughs> uh, prioritizing that. But also even in those instances, you know, when you do get good marks, that was also rewarded in my family and encouraged. Um, Got it. Yeah. Not only monetarily, <laughs> but also just sure. like, you know, the, the pride that you get from, for instance, my gran. Uh, another anecdote, <laughs> my gran anecdote. I remember it would be like, let's say the end of term. And then the grandchildren would come home to my gran's place. And then literally would be in line and she'd be sitting there. And you give her your report and she'd read it. And then she'd say all these lovely things to you while you're standing there. And you'd be like, you know, smiling and being proud. Like literally finding yourself in a space where you just literally have to stand there and have all of these beautiful words of encouragement poured on you. And maybe a 10 rand here and there. <laughs> and then that's about it. And interestingly for me, the only thing that I properly recall enjoying a lot about that instance was the beautiful words of encouragement. So I think just my nerdy vibes were really um, cultivated in every instance. <laughs> yeah. You shared a little bit with me about this idea of, or Umvelangangi? Umvelangangi. Umvelangangi. <laughs> unpack it a little bit more. Uh, Umvelangangi is essentially God, the first one who appeared. Um, and that's the word, that's the term, that's the name that Zulu people have, basically, of that energy. And in the sense of ancestry and our ancestors, um, the Zulu religion or religious traditional Zulu understanding is that there's a pantheon um, and the ultimate is Mbilingangi and then you have Itongo, Noma Amatongo. And then you have Amadlozi, and Amadlozi are your ancestors. So um, it's not only just this one powerful being, the essential one, but there are the others as well that work collectively. Amazing. Mm. Who are you inspired by in terms of artists? Artists. And why are you inspired by them? Mm. Okay, I'm inspired by Jabu Kanyele, the late Jabu Kanyele. I'm inspired by... 
uh, Angelique Kijo. I'm inspired by FK Twigs. <laughs> I'm inspired by Tiwa Savage. And Such a range of people. I know, I, I know. <laughs> and Janelle Monet. Mm. Mm. And why are you inspired by them? For obviously a, like a, a variety, a range of people, um, and for a range of reasons. Um, what I like most about them is their unique perspective that they share, you know, and what it represents culturally and, you know, concerning the communities that they come from, you know. Um, when it comes to Angelique Kijo, she's from Benin, and the one song that stands out for me is Akolo. Do you know, you know that song? Yes, yes. Oh, and I remember hearing it in my childhood and I remember being mesmerized by that music video and I was just like, whoa, you know, <laughs> um, and it was just so beautiful. I didn't even understand what she was saying, but it really had an impact on me and it made me feel good. Um, it made me feel comfortable in my Africanness, you know, so. I really appreciate that. And I know that she was highlighting not only, let's say, the general African way of being, but specifically, you know, where she comes from. And interestingly, that's something that I related to, you know, even Tiwa Savage, what I really liked about her. Um, I like her now still. But what really stood up for, for me some years ago was when she, to me, seemed like one of the few African female artists who were actually, you know, really, really pushing and making a huge impact globally. And um, because of that, I really, really related to her because I felt like she was representing us. You know, I know there are so much more, you know, and so many more now um, African uh, women artists that are making a huge global impact. But back then she was one of the few. And I appreciated that concerning her. And, I appreciated that she was very intentional, you know, also about being, hey, I'm Nigerian. Hey, I'm from Africa, mm. you know, mm. um, and presenting it in a way that not only would make, you know, her people proud, but also would be relatable to others as well. Janelle Monet, um, first time I saw her had to do with her song Tightrope. And I remember thinking, who is this person, you know? And I liked how she looked. I liked her music and how eccentric it was, but also very, you know, mainstream and very fun. And concerning the nerdy instance and maybe even linking that to being unique and feeling sometimes out of place for your, you know, unique perspective as particularly, you know, a black girl or black person, you know, um, when I saw her music, I just felt like, oh my God, like, I get her. I feel like she gets me. I feel like she, like, me feeling like an outlier or me feeling weird or me feeling like I have, like, a unique perspective that maybe not a lot of people can get or do get, you know? I just felt like that wasn't the case anymore because she was there, mm -hmm. you know? And she really did represent that visually. Got it. FK Twigs. I just love how unique she is and how she weighs that on her sleeve as her superpower mm. and her and her creativity in every sense of the word, in the sense of the music, in the sense of the visuals. She really explores and she leans into that uniqueness. She doesn't try to run away from it. And I just really love that. And I think that like links to what I was saying about Janelle Monet as well, but 
obviously differently now. Um, I remember LP1, but I also like listened to her EPs as well. But LP1 for me, um, I was just like, it was just the sheer creativity of putting in like so many different sounds and ideas all in one and them making sense. I love that because I love creating music. Like for me, behind the scenes, that's my forte. Oh, wow. <laughs> so when I'm able to hear um, what a producer has created and I know just intellectually what that represents and the the work and effort that goes into it. And then like seeing that come together, I'm just always so inspired. It makes me happy. It makes my my nerdy music self happy. (laughs) And lastly, Jabu Kanile, um, again, going back to when I grew up, just linked um, when I was growing up, just linked to what um, the same experience I had with Anjali Kijo. He had this uh, music video for a song called Amajegeje. And it was so cute and it was so artsy. Um, it was like, you know, like when you had Barney and all this stuff, it kind of looked like that. Okay. <laughs> so as a child, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But I also just like, as I was growing up um, and I got to understand his music more <laughs> away from that music video, it was also just him being so proudly Zulu in his representation and uh, how he was dressed. But also I could see that he's not wearing his regalia as a costume it looked and felt like an extension of who he really is which is who i am but also in my growing up too culturally you know my culture was my culture it wasn't something that was a costume so when it came to jabu kanile coming through with him and his aesthetics and his branding and so on you know i was just like he he's it he's living it so I really like that too, besides the beautiful music. I love your four choices. It says, you know, this episode is all about who you are mm-hmm. on, a, on a deeper level. And I think these artists embody a bit of small pieces of you. Mm-hmm. You mentioned how much you evolve and how you tap into these various identities and through your personal evolution. And I think the best way to close this episode is talk about videos and how... If you think about how short videos and TikTok and mm-hmm. all these platforms are redefining how the world experiences music, you know? mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about a music video that you've been in mm-hmm. and then also how you see the power of music videos to translate who you are. Right. I'm going to wrap it up. Right. So um, I've been in two music videos. One was mine for my song, The Promise. Um, and then the other was for um, the song, Particular. I like your voice in particular. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are totally two different scenes, <laughs> totally two different budgets. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, <laughs> and my, invol- my involvement in, you know, either of the two, you know, was different as well. Yeah. Um, so like, I think, that um, obviously video is very important. I don't think that you can release music without video anymore. I think um, it it comes part and parcel now um, with the experience of it because I think at the end of the day, it's no longer just about the auditory sense of what you hear. It's about the experience. Yes. You know, so um, I definitely think that it's important to incorporate uh, video in that instance. Um, And... um, I think TikTok, Instagram, 
all those instances, they also add onto the experience. Yes. And content creation is king now, you know, so you can't not <laughs> have something out there to visually represent what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like even us recording these conversations right. is a part of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want you to look right at the camera as we close. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want you to say something to everyone listening that they will never forget. Wow. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> you are love and you belong. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for checking out episode three. I'm Timothy Murray. This is Tavon, and we look forward to you sharing this episode as always. And we have one more episode, and I know you're going to love it as you love episode one, two, and three. Until next time. <laughs>